Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Shalom, everyone. This is Yiska Smith coming to you from Pardes in Yerushalayim. Welcome, Barachot Habaot Barachim Habaim, to episode 14 in Preparing to Experience Inner Freedom and Liberation through the lens of Rav Cook's commentaries on the Haggadah Shel Pesach. We are now at the point in the Seder, we have arrived to the sixth Siman, the sixth step sign, which is referred to as Rachza, washing, the washing. This is performed immediately after following the drinking of the second cup of wine. This is the second time, actually, that the hands are washed. The first time, Rav Cook points out, is referred to by the word and wash, or chatz. In the beginning, remember in the beginning of the Seder, before we dipped the karpas in the salt water and said the bracha over the karpas and ate it, we washed and we washed without a blessing. This second time is referred to by the word washing, rachza. I'm inviting you to be sensitive to the difference, or Rav, actually Rav Cook is inviting us to be sensitive to the nuance, the subtle difference between orchatz and rachza. It's the same shurash, it's the same, has the same root, reshchet tzadik. However, orchatz is a one-time wash. Rachza is the ongoing state of washing. What does that mean? He continues, the subtle linguistic difference between the two expressions is the noun rachza refers to a permanent state. The imperative or chatz, on the other hand, indicates a one time. It's improvising. It's a it's suggesting that it's not usual. The first washing before dipping the vegetable in salt water is not usually done. There are those who insist on such a washing of the hands all year before eating a fruit or vegetable that has been moistened, reminiscent in memory of during the times when the temple existed. And there were reasons why at that point, when any fruit or vegetable has been had been moistened, we would wash our hands. But today, actually since 70 CE, since the temple was destroyed, and moving through the various centuries in, in how we see the halakha developing and evolving, most people today, most rabbinical authorities today, do not insist on this stringency. And therefore, that's one of the reasons we don't make a bracha. Whereas, when it comes to eating bread, or in this case, what we call matzah, which halachically, from the point of view of Jewish law, is bread. It's just bread that has not risen. It's not chametz, but it is bread, requiring the washing beforehand, as we would wash before bread. 
And this is an absolute halachic requirement. Absolutely. This is one of those wonderful times when all the halachic authorities actually agree. Isn't it wonderful? So this washing symbolizes that the material act of eating must be purified and uplifted. And it's suggested by the word nitila in the bracha. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech olam asher kedeshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu al nitilat yadayim. We don't say al rechitzat yadayim. So literally, the bracha does not mean that we are performing a commandment where we were commanded to wash the hands. So of course, it just begs. It just begs. It beckons us. It compels us to ask, what does it mean? And this is where Rav Cook believes it's an illusion. It's an illusion to what we're doing before we were eating bread. Traditionally, bread is what determined and what defined the meal as a meal. And before we sit down and feed our bodies, we want to acknowledge, he believes, and he's in alignment. This is the, this is a traditional, this is a very traditional understanding that when we as Jewish people, when we as human beings sit down to eat, it's similar to when all the other animals in creation eat. We're performing a, an act in order to sustain our bodies. That hunger to feed the bodies is something we share with the cats and the dogs and all the other animals, birds, fish. All the other animals also need to eat and to drink. So what is different when we eat? It's not that we eat, uh, those of us who observe the laws of kashrut. It begins much before that. It's how we eat, not necessarily, in this case, it's not what we're eating, it's how we are eating. The clue to this, the subtle messaging, is we refer to al-nitilat yadayim. Here the word nitila, one of those words in Hebrew that's so contextual, it has many definitions. It actually means to take, to taking, also receiving, which in English we know is contradictory. Either we're taking something or receiving is very, very different. Here, Rav Cook believes we are receiving, we're actively accepting responsibility to cultivate a certain way of eating. And what is that way of eating? Another meaning of litol netila natal is to raise up, is to elevate. We're actually accepting upon ourselves the practice, the spiritual practice of elevating an act that we share in common with all the other animals. And we now are expanding it into the spiritual realm by sitting down by eating what we refer to today mindfully, by making the blessing, by, as my grandmother, may she rest in peace, may her memory be for a blessing, you need to chew your food thoroughly. You need to swallow food after it is all chewed. Your stomach does not have teeth. Well, part of the Rambam, Maimonides also addresses this. 
eating slowly, realizing the miracle that that which grows from the ground, from soil, with water, soil and rocks, has minerals, elements, sustains all the fruits and vegetables, all the grains. And here we take that, we take that, we convert it into a dough, and then we bake it, and it actually sustains us. So the act of elevating it, this it is the act of eating, is to reveal that within this act is the presence of the divine. Yes, we're doing it initially for our physical well-being, to sustain physical health. But by doing it properly, by doing it mindfully, by doing it with a certain consciousness, we actually peel away the concealment of the divine presence within it. I mean, if you look at a grain of one of the five grains, a grain um, of oat, barley, wheat, rye, spelt, one does not necessarily see God. However, when we eat again, it's more how than what, when we're eating the bread, in a way where we intend kavanah, our intention, is to reveal the divine presence that gives life to it. Think about it, it's a miracle. That's something that starts below the ground in the dark, dirty soil, moves up from the ground, sprouts forth, and eventually gives us life. Surely, surely most of us, if not all of us can agree that is a manifestation of the divine presence. Hence, it's the bracha netilat yadayim, through the noun, which is the state of, it's a state of that we cultivate, rachza. Then, after we say that bracha, we wash our hands, we say the bracha, we sit down, and we're eating, now we're going to eat the matzah. And because matzah, halachachli, is bread, we now say the motzi, motzi lechem in Simply, this heading of motzi refers to the blessing recited before eating bread all the time, who brings bread forth from the earth. Hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. But it's very interesting, compared to all the other blessings we say over food, we don't bring forth bread from the aretz, from the land. There is much more, Rav Cook teaches, there is much more to the name than just the simple illusion of bringing forth bread from the earth. Motsi refers to the deeper processes at work in two ways. One, in extracting bread from the raw materials of the earth and drawing a parallel to the choosing of Israel from among the nations. The other blessings recited before eating food do not reflect the fact that many different factors contributed to the end product of the food. Barepria eats when we eat an apple. Barepria adama when we're eating a salad, a piece of lettuce, tomato. That's a direct reference to either the fruit or the vegetable. Fruit of the tree fruit of the land, of the ground, 
What does that mean? Bread does not come out of the earth. It is only before eating bread, which is considered halachically by, let's say, mainstream traditional Jewish uh, legal codifiers to be the staple of the human being. I realize today in modern times, it's very different, but traditionally bread has been considered to be the staple of the human being, that we review the process whereby the raw materials of the earth contribute to the final product, but they are not the final product. Bringing forth, Motsi suggests opposite relations. One, whereby the final product is connected to its previous elements, and a second, whereby it is disentangled from its past and emerges in the present as a distinct entity. All of this symbolic, all of this is symbolic of the bringing forth of Israel from among the nations. On the one hand, Israel emerges from the raw material of humanity as a whole. On the other hand, Israel achieves independence and a unique sanctity, which is why we see in the Pasuk, Shemot Vav, Zion, in Exodus 6, 7, verse 7, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Vidatem ki ani Hashem alakechem hamotzi etchem so just as we pronounce it's similar to we are being taken out where we continue in one way to have a relationship with the past, but we become something new, indistinguishable from our past. So I invite you all, I invite you all to reflect on your own journeys where you are today includes where you came from and includes being a beautiful manifestation of a unique creation, an independent creation. Ah, thank you. Thank you all for listening, for listening to this teaching and how I'm presenting it. And I look forward to Bezat Hashem, Bezat Hashem, tomorrow sharing episode 15, Bezat Hashem. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.